Not only should Walters be your spot before and after every Nats game, but also Walters is an avenue for cheaper Nats tickets. When buying tickets to Nationals Park through the rest of the season, enter promo code WALTERS for 30% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we have a line drive hook to right. That's going to be a base hit. This is all going to cost the Nationals another run. Andrews scores. Over to third is Anderson. Benintendi's RBI single makes it 6-0. Now the left hook will come forward. Now it goes back. Then it goes up. And here's the pitch. Swing and a long drive to right center field by Ruiz. This is way back. Going, going, and gone. Goodbye. With his 10th home run of the year. And the Nationals are on the board here in the bottom of the ninth inning. It's now the White Sox six and the Nationals one. And Clevenger and Smith. Clevenger didn't like wow. Smith. He, he uh, enjoyed the home run, then bat flipped it, and Clevenger said something as he crossed the plate, and the benches are emptying, and the umpires are getting in between. Smith crossed the plate instead of heading for the dugout, turned towards the mound. Well, this and is now the bullpens are emptying when this is just about finished and Clevenger's back at the mound. I don't know if there's any history here. I mean, obviously Smith's in his first year with the Nationals, but he hit that ball and, and stood it, admired it, and flipped the bat. So I don't know if there was a prior reaction from an earlier incident because, you know, considering the score, it seemed like an unusual reaction from Smith to, to watch it when you're down 6 nothing now 6-1. to one, And Clevenger clearly said something about that. And Smith is hot. I mean, you know, Dom stood there and watched the home run. You know, he started he started um, saying some, some words to him. I don't know what he said, but uh, it's just part of the game now, right? I mean, I've seen a lot worse. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi Podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of the show, but I am joined by the boss of the show, Tim Schobers. And we are here to get along as well as Dominic Smith and Mike Clevenger. <laughs> Two peas in a pod. The Nationals on Monday night began their final homestand of this 2023 regular season, a seven-game homestand consisting of a three-game series with the Chicago White Sox and a four-game series with the Major League-leading Atlanta Braves. The White Sox this season actually have been worse than the Nats, so it doesn't really say many good things uh, about the Nats that uh, they on Monday night got ripped by the White Sox. A 6-1 loss to the White Sox at Nationals Park on Monday night. The Nats now just 5-16 and 
over their last 21 games. And that's for this season now at 66 and 85. The White Sox improved to 58 and 93. This Nats Chat episode is brought to you by the Umps Care Charities East Coast Golf Classic, which is taking place Monday, October 16th at the beautiful Westfields Golf Club in Clifton, Virginia, with former umpire Sam Holbrook as the honorary guest. Visit umpscare.com for more information. So, Tim, we know that this regular season is winding down for the Nats. There was not a ton to this game on Monday night, but we did have an incident in the ninth inning on Monday night. There have not been many incidents in Nats games this season, really over the last few seasons. So that did add a bit of flair to an otherwise uh, pretty mundane evening at the ballpark on Monday night. Yeah, some unexpected late fireworks from a game that obviously, as you mentioned, was very forgettable otherwise. And sort of bizarre, Dom Smith, you know, uh, enjoyed the home run. We're in the bottom of the ninth inning of a game on September 18th involving two teams that have under 70 victories. I did find the whole thing bizarre. I don't know if Dominic Smith and Mike Clevenger have some sort of history with each other. Obviously, two veterans that have been around. But uh, that sort of came out of nowhere, Al. It was like, uh, this has nothing to do with the rest of this game that I've been watching. Yeah, 100%. It was odd. It was unexpected. And I think sort of underlying with everything was what you just said. These are two bad teams, you know, in the middle of a nothing happening game deep into the month of September, and they're going at it talking smack. I don't know. (laughs) There's just something funny about that. So the Nats on Monday night nearly got shut out. The White Sox starting pitcher Mike Clevenger ended up tossing a complete game. He allowed one run in nine innings with seven strikeouts versus no walks. But as for the one run that he did allow. So the Nats were down to their last strike when they did finally score a run. Dominic Smith on Monday night as the Nats starting first baseman and number five batter, one for four with a solo homer. Dominic Smith, in what ended up being a one-run ninth inning for the Nats, hit a two-out solo homer to right center field on a 1-2 pitch to cut the Nats' deficit to 6-1. This was an impressive home run. The homer went a projected 400 19 feet for StatCast. It's kind of funny with Dom Smith lately. He's hitting for power. Where has this been all season? Dominic Smith now, for this month of September, has a slugging percentage of 644. He's actually hitting quite well lately, including hitting for power. But it was after hitting the home run that he flipped the bat. Again, kind of funny. Last place team getting ripped by a team that's even worse than you, and you flip the bat. But okay, whatever. I personally don't mind bat flips, but some people do not like them. And apparently one of those people is Mike Clevenger. So Dominic Smith hit the home run, stepped on home plate, and then immediately turned toward Mike Clevenger, who pretty clearly had said something to Dom Smith. The home plate umpire, Will Little, immediately stepped in front of Smith, and Smith and Clevenger were jawing at each other. The bullpens and benches ended up emptying. Now, there were no punches thrown or anything like that, but we did have a bit of an incident here. So we did see the replay of the bat flip. I don't know. Did you think that this was an egregious act by Dom Smith? Egregious is uh, not the word I would look for. I thought that it was a bit more than you would normally expect for a 6-1 game in the bottom of the ninth. He seemed to really have admired it, which is just interesting because it just seems out of character for Dom Smith. That's why I point to, I wonder if there's some weird thing that happened in some Padres-Mets game from last year or something where Clevenger and Smith don't like each other because the whole thing just doesn't make any sense. He really admired that one. That was um, 
If we do it on the Bryce Harper meter, that was kind of, you know, like August 2015, Bryce Harper. Yeah, I am a pro-pimping of home runs. I am a pro-pimper, so I am not going to rip Dominic Smith from pimping his homer, but there's no doubt that there is a comedy to all of this, and, you know, we're going to keep coming back to it, but two bad teams and, you know, a guy who has not hit many home runs this season (laughs) hits a home run in what is essentially a blowout loss and is admiring the thing like, you know, it just clinched a playoff spot or something like that. So, I don't know, kind of funny. And yeah, like you said, it's not like Dominic Smith has this reputation, so... You know, maybe he's kind of feeling himself with the good September that he's having. But anyway, it ended up really not being that big of a deal. Like we said, it just kind of added some spice to an otherwise, uh, you know, pretty bland game deep into the month of September. Davey Martinez, during his postgame press conference, downplayed it, said that he's seen a lot worse. And I think we all have in baseball. I mean, we've seen, you know, things uh, unravel in a much worse way. But yeah, something a little different at the ballpark on Monday night. So the Nats in this game, one run, six hits, no walks, 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. The offense really has calmed down. I mean, we know what the deal has been with this Nats offense this season, but these last few weeks with the Nats struggling in September, we have seen a lot of games like what we saw on Monday night, which is the Nats not doing much offensively. C.J. Abrams did have a two-hit night. He is the Nats starting shortstop and number one batter, went two for four with a double, a single and a stolen base, but he also got picked off at first base. What is the deal with Nats base runners getting picked off this season, especially lately? It seems like the problem has gotten even worse lately. I, you know, I don't know if this is a late season thing and guys are losing focus, but Abrams in the top of the first, a leadoff single up the middle, but he then moments later got picked off at first base. Yet another instance of the Nats this season making it out on the base pants. Abrams in the bottom of the eighth, did have a two-out double to the right field corner. But man, what is going on with that? Guys getting picked off like they are. And Abrams is, you know, one of the best base runners on the team. And, you know, really in the National League with the season he's had in terms of stolen bases. But he himself has gotten picked off multiple times lately. Yeah, it's bizarre how contagious it's been ever since this podcast began. If you remember in 2021, early Juan Soto wanted to up his base running skills. He tried to become more of a complete player. He was terrible on the base pass. It just sort of seemed like someone was getting thrown out all the time. We're nearing the end of three years of seemingly day in, day out, guys getting picked off for no reason. The C.J. Abrams thing, it's concerning only from the standpoint that it's such a strength as a base dealer. I feel like it's an easy fix for him in the next year or two. And if his IQ has room to grow and he's stealing over 40-plus bases this year, Can we see a guy that could get to 60, could get to 70 as his career goes on? But obviously, he's going to have to work out kinks like this one along the way. What happened in this instance of him getting picked off was pretty bad. I think everyone in the ballpark knew that Abrams was going to be running. Clevenger is a pitcher on whom you can run. And Abrams ended up taking this massive lead. And so he gets on first base off the single I don't know if he just got too cocky, but the lead was ridiculous. And so Clevenger picked him off rather easily. Like it really wasn't that close. And what ended up happening was that like literally seconds after Abrams got the hit, he got picked off by Clevenger. So, you know, lack of discipline. I think what's interesting too is this. You have the first base coach, Eric Young Jr. And the Nats have had this problem this season of guys getting picked off. And I think it's so tricky with coaches in baseball to know how much of what goes on is on them? Like if a team isn't a good hitting team, is that really on the hitting coach or is that just because you don't have better hitters on the team? You know, same thing with a pitching coach. And there have been a lot of conversations on this podcast and certainly amongst Nats fans the last few years about the pitching coach 
Jim Hickey and about the hitting coach Darnell Coles. I don't know if guys getting picked off is truly on Eric Young Jr. or not. I do know this. It's not a great look. And that this is happening as this season goes on. It feels like more and more, you know, this is supposed to be Eric Young Jr.'s department and it doesn't reflect well on him. It may not be on him, but just, you know, from the outside looking in, it's not something that you look at and you say, well, boy, that's a credit to Eric Young Jr. Like, no, it doesn't look good on him. With some of the changes we're seeing in the Nats front office, you do wonder if we're going to see changes on Davey Martinez's coaching staff this offseason. Well, Eric Young Jr., the problem has existed before he took over, but nonetheless, you make a good point. If Eric Young Jr. is back in 2024 for the Nats, the most important part of his job title will be C.J. Abrams' development over the season in the stolen base department. So if these mistakes are still happening, I'd be concerned if I were Eric Young Jr. I think it's going to be a very high priority for the team next year. But I do agree with you. It's not a good look, and it's just from afar – just seems like such an easy fix if for whatever reason the fixes aren't happening. Yeah, I mean, like, specific to Monday night, Abrams gets that ridiculously large lead. I mean, was Young saying, hey, dude, like, watch it here, you know? I mean, you don't have to say it like that, but is this some sort of a code word that Eric can unleash to alert Abrams to, hey, you're too far off the bag, you know, calm down a little bit here, something like that. And instead, you ended up having what we did have there. So, Not good to see that. Of course, it gets magnified because the Nats are just not hitting right now. And a Nat in particular who is not hitting right now is K-Bert Ruiz. K-Bert on Monday night as the Nats starting catcher and number four batter, cleanup batter, 0 for 4 with a throwing error. K-Bert Ruiz had a really good month of August, but he is having a hideous month of September. Your K-Bert Ruiz slash line for this month of September, a batting average of just 204, an on-base percentage of just 218, a slugging percentage of just 278. And I mentioned the throwing here. You know, Cape Ruiz came into Monday with minus 13 defensive runs saved for this season. Not good, especially, of course, for a catcher, right? A defensive position. The Nats this past March 11th announced having agreed with Kbert Ruiz on an eight-year contract extension with two club options. So the extension, an eight-year, $50 million extension. He, of course, is the Nats' long-term catcher. He's still young. This is only his age 24 season. But, you know, I don't think he's had the kind of season you would want, certainly not from a defensive standpoint. And I was really hoping that he would end his season strong at least offensively speaking. And, you know, you have more than a week left in the year, so maybe he catches fire over these remaining 11 regular season games. But as the season winds down and we do take stock of, okay, what has been good, what has been not so good, kind of where are we truly in this rebuild? I think Cape Verde Ruiz is a tricky guy to figure out. I don't want to sit here and say like he's a bad player because I don't really think that, but he has not become the player who you want him to be. There's still time for that to happen. But I think a better 2023 season for Kbert Ruiz would have been nice. And we have not had that, at least uh, not so far this season. And uh, of course, the season is winding down rapidly. I would love to see some better stats. The defensive stats that you mentioned are of concern, of course. And if this team is going to win, Kbert Ruiz is going to be a big reason why if things are to come together. So I'm with you there. Overall, though, I still like what I see from a day-to-day basis. Still see pop from time to time. Still see the potential to be a good defensive catcher. I like him overall. I think he's been dealt a tough hand and that he just hasn't had that much good pitching to be in charge of of the staff. 
since he's taken over as the franchise catcher. Been a bit better this year. Obviously, only eight starting pitchers, as Davey keeps mentioning and hammering home this month. So I'm not as down on Caber Ruiz as you are, I believe, but uh, I definitely hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, he's also had a problem this season throwing out attempted base dealers. Now, we know that that's not all on him. That's also on the pitching staff. You know, he gets the eight-year extension. I just would have hoped for a better 2023 season. We've talked also about him having hit into a lot of bad luck, especially early in the year. So I think that has to be taken into consideration as well. But uh, that did jump out at me. I mean, seeing him struggle as he did on Monday night, and you know, you look at the September that he's having, it is not close to the August that he had. Like I said, he had a really good August. That was one of the best things about last month for the Nats. This Nat Chat episode is brought to you by Umps Care Charities East Coast Golf Tournament, hosted by MLB umpires Brendan Miller and Chris Siegel. Monday, October 16th at Westfields Golf Club in Clifton, Virginia, with special guest Sam Holbrook, retired MLB umpire who worked the 2019 World Series, when of course the Nats won it all. Register now at our website, give.umpscare.com, for more information. Proceeds support the delivery of 100 Build-A-Bear Furry Friends to kids at Children's National Hospital in D.C. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi here to tell you about another great deal being offered right now by Window Nation to listeners of the Nats Chat Podcast. Window Nation is offering you even more. When it comes to new windows, Window Nation always gives you more, but now Window Nation is giving you even more, more. <laughs> The more windows that you buy, the more that you save up to 50% off, plus a lot more. Pay nothing for two full years. Another amazing deal on the great windows that Window Nation can provide to listeners of the Nats Chat Podcast. Save up to 50% with the purchase of a house of windows. You know, even given what has been happening with interest and mortgage rates, Window Nation still is keeping 0% interest for two years. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the great deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, the more windows that you buy, the more that you save up to 50% off, plus you pay nothing for two full years. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi from the Nats Chat Podcast sent you. Heads up, Ted Lasso fans. Brett Goldstein, a.k.a. Roy Kent, is coming to DAR in mid-November. Head to the Game Time app for more info on how to land tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And listeners, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's a swing and a drive to deep left center field. This is way back. This is trouble. This ball is gone. Goodbye. Only had struck him out twice, but not a third time as Luis Robert gets hold of a curveball into the visitor's bullpen in left field for a three-run home run. His 36th of the year, and the White Sox break the scoreless duel here in the fifth. It's Chicago 3 and Washington nothing. Well, the that starting pitcher for this 6-1 loss to the White Sox on Monday night was Yoan Adone. As we have discussed with Adone, he in his latest go-round at the Major League level has been a high-variance performer. His good has been quite good. His bad has been really bad. Unfortunately, we lately here are seeing a lot more of the bad as opposed to the good. Adone on Monday night officially allowed five runs in five innings. He gave up nine hits, a three-run homer, two doubles, and six singles. He issued two walks, did record five strikeouts, and did throw a lot of strikes, 87 pitches, 58 strikes versus 29 balls. So you like that. It was kind of odd. Adone did toss four and two-thirds scoreless innings to begin his outing, but things then fell apart. He, in the top of the fifth, gave up a two-out, three-run homer by Luis Robert Jr. to left center field for a 3 nothing White Sox lead. And Adone, and what ended up being a three-run six for the White Sox, gave up three consecutive hits to begin the inning before being pulled from the game. Even before he started giving up runs, he was putting a good bit of guys on base. And so this was another one of these outings by a Nats pitcher in which you say to yourself, well, he's not allowing runs, but the dam may be about to burst. And uh, sure enough, the dam ended up bursting. Third bad outing in four starts for Yoan Adone. What do you think about Adone? Do you think there's a long-term future for him as a good starting pitcher for the Nats? Or is he a guy who's just sort of here for now, but will not be here moving forward when the Nats get good again? I don't think he's very good. I do not look forward to his starts. I know that the two no-hit bids were nice, but other than that, and other than the game 162 against Boston in 2021, I haven't liked really anything that I've seen. I hope we reach a point where he gets moved farther down the depth chart, pitching-wise, within the organization. I don't see him being at all a starter. Maybe, maybe, maybe he could become a reliever. I mean, he does have bursts of pitching well, if not dominance, so... Maybe that's worth exploring, but I just don't at all see the possibility of him being a regular starter. Yeah, we talked about the potential for him as a reliever after his last start on the show. The problem with that is that he loses the strike zone too frequently to where if he was a reliever, you'd sort of hold your breath every time he comes into the game because, you know, if he has it, okay, but the chance of him not having it is there. (laughs) And if he's coming into the game and he's walking the ballpark, then obviously 
Uh, that's not doing you much good as a reliever. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten ample opportunity these last few seasons, starting with the game 162 in 2021, made a bunch of starts last season. Now this season has gotten another opportunity here to start. And, you know, the results just have not been that good. Has had some good outings this season, but, you know, you obviously would like to see more. I mean, two or three goodies is nice, but uh, more of that would be good as this season winds down. He was not good in this game on Monday night. The Nats bullpen on Monday night, three Nats relievers officially combined to allow one run in four innings. Jose A. Ferrer did struggle. He officially allowed one run in two-thirds of an inning, but he and that White Sox, three-run six, retired just one of the four batters he faced. He induced a double play, but then gave up three consecutive two-out singles. Uh, But Corey Abbott was good. He tossed two and a third scoreless innings, and Thaddeus Ward made an appearance. So he tossed a scoreless top of the ninth. So it's been kind of odd with Thaddeus Ward. He has been back for a few days now. The Nats, this past Thursday morning, announced having returned Ward from his rehab assignment and having reinstated him from the 15-day entered list, which he had been on since July 3rd, retroactive to July 2nd with right shoulder inflammation. As we have talked about, the belief is that Ward is going to get a start or two down the stretch of this season. That clearly still could happen, but uh, he did get some work on Monday night uh, in pitching this scoreless top of the ninth inning. Is Tim Shovers someone who has an appetite right now for a Thaddeus Ward start down the stretch of the season? Is this something that you're looking forward to? I am looking forward to it, yes, actually, because let's see what he's got. What's the worst that happens? The Nats lose? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we uh, uh not too much to worry about here. Been hearing his name. I mean, it seems like his name has been mentioned on this podcast pretty much more out of whack than anyone in terms of time mentioned, but actual times appearing in a game this year, if you don't include Steven Strasburg in that category. First of all, they just need people to eat innings here. I mean, it's we got 11 games left, 11 times 9, 99-plus innings. Let's see who fills them. But yeah, why not? And if he pitches well and, and gives us a nice thing to have a taste in our mouths heading into the winners, how I look at it. Yeah, I think you give anyone who has any possibility of being a decent starting pitcher for you a shot here, especially now as you know, you're still waiting on some guys to develop and as you still don't have a lot of great starting pitching options in the minors. So, you know, that's part of what's happening here is that a guy like Yohan Adone, who consistently has not been very good at the major league level, continues to get starts at the major league level because there aren't many better legitimate options. You know, Thaddeus Ward is a Rule 5 guy. Like, normally, you're not spending this much time talking up a Rule 5 guy. But this season with this team, that's kind of what you're doing here down the stretch of the season. So, presumably, we'll see Thaddeus Ward get a start or two before this season winds down. So yeah, 11 games left for the Nats in this regular season. You know, I mentioned that this game on Monday night was game one of a seven-game homestand, the final homestand of this Nats season. If you look up how the Nats have done from a home attendance standpoint this year, going into Monday, the Nats ranked 23rd out of 30 major league teams in average home attendance on the season, 22,523, actually one spot ahead of the Chicago White Sox at 21,469. Now, I don't think anyone is going to argue that ranking at 23rd out of 30 is good, but I think all things considered, the home attendance numbers for the Nats this season have not been that bad. I know that there was a fear going into this season that Nats attendance really could crater this year. And look, it has not been great. And if you're watching these games on TV, there have been plenty of games 
at which you have seen a lot of empty seats at Nationals Park. Because we all know there is the official attendance, the announced attendance, and then there is the actual attendance, the people in the ballpark. And there are plenty of days, especially these weekday day games, at which you don't see many fans in the park. But the attendance has not been this like disaster that I think it could have been. You got to think that a season like this one, you know, a season where you know going into the season the team is not going to be good. This is probably the bottom in terms of what you'll get in terms of attendance for a national season. And if this is the bottom, I really don't think that it's that bad. I think the Nats have not gotten enough credit for this. They have drawn well since the franchise moved to D.C. in that 04-05 offseason. This idea that was around 20 years ago of like, D.C. can't support an MLB team or, you know, the famous line from Peter Angelos decades ago of there are no real baseball fans in D.C. That line of thinking has been disproven. And I think a season like this is actually a really good case study. This is probably about as bad as it gets. And if this is the worst, I don't think it's that bad. I completely agree with you. The number that I care the most about, and I don't expect you to be able to crunch this on the spot, is what is your weekend attendance like? So that to me is what matters the most. And I've seen really good crowds throughout the rebuild and this year specifically. I still think we've had plenty of Saturday nights with 30,000 people, even when they're not winning. It's been clear if there's a weekend baseball game when there's good weather, people are going to show up to the ballpark, which to me is a sign of a healthy baseball town. As you mentioned, whatever the reputation was, and I remember that reputation because I grew up falling to Montreal Expos and there was no D.C. baseball team. I heard the same things as you, Al, even though I didn't live here. That has clearly been proven wrong, if not emphatically wrong, which is uh, why we wouldn't have started this podcast otherwise if, if we didn't believe so. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm glad you're shining a spotlight on this. I hope that sort of around town, the team gets more credit. And we will see, of course, if next year, if they're winning on Tuesday and Wednesday, there'll be more people. It's very obvious how that pattern works out. Yeah, I mean, people will say, well, Washington, D.C. is a two-time loser with MLB in terms of losing a team. And that is true. The Washington Senators were here twice and left twice. But what needs to be understood about that is that, first of all, you had some really bad ownership with the Senators. But second of all, Washington, D.C. as a city and as a market is a lot different today than it was back in the day. And so to sit here and try to compare the Washington, D.C. area of 2023 with the Washington, D.C. area of 1971, you're wasting your time, okay? The Washington, D.C. area is a lot different now. There are many more people. There is a lot more money. There is increased prestige in this area in terms of the Washington, D.C. television market being a top 10 television market. And, you know, it's not, of course, just Washington, D.C. as a city. When you say Washington, D.C., what you're really talking about is D.C. and the surrounding counties of Maryland and Virginia. And when you talk about Montgomery County, Maryland and Fairfax County, Virginia and Loudoun County, Virginia, you're talking about three of the richest counties in the country. And so there are a lot of people here. There is a lot of money here. And while, yes, there are a good number of people in the city itself who are not from this area and who maybe aren't fans of the local teams here, there are plenty of people in this area to support the Nationals. I happen to believe there are enough people here and there is enough money here to support both the Nationals and the Orioles. I have never bought into this idea that, you you know, one team being here is going to make it so that the other team can't do well. I think if both teams are good, both teams will draw. I think we have seen that, especially when the two teams have been good. And yeah, I think the two-time loser thing with DC 
is uh, a little overrated from a standpoint of that was a long time ago. Things are a lot different as compared to now. Like what matters is what the city is now, what the area is now. And I think this season, this has been to me one of the more encouraging things just about the entire enterprise of Washington, D.C. baseball. The attendance has not been the debacle that it could have been that I think some people thought that it might have been. So that's good. And, you know, we've seen this and I think, you know, you don't have to be from here to know this, but if the team is good, the team will draw. Like the Capitals have been good for years. You know, maybe they're a little off now, but the Caps have drawn well for years. Why? Because they're good. You know, the Nats have drawn well. Why? When they were good, they drew well. The football team, you know, the football team hasn't not drawn because there aren't football fans here. The football team hasn't drawn well because the team has been bad and the owner was despicable. Well, that's changing now. So, and, and you know, what did we see in week one of uh, the commander season? We saw a sellout at FedEx Field and it looks like we're going to see another one this Sunday for the game against Buffalo. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see next season if the Nats are a team on the rise and playing well. Does the attendance shoot back up? Do people kind of wait for the team to get really good again? That'll be interesting. But it certainly would seem to be, I think, a pretty good bet that the attendance next season will be better than the attendance this season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Any sort of winning. Just also, they're going to enter spring training and opening day with hope. That's another thing. You know, there was none of that, certainly not going into 2022 and none of that going into this year as well. So just the mere fact that you're going to have people who aren't laughing at the Nationals all of January and February, I do believe helps sell tickets in April and May. Well, the other thing, too, is the ownership uncertainty. Like, you think about the concoction of bad team, rebuilding team, not much hope for this season, and, oh, by the way, ownership uncertainty. Like, it's almost a miracle that anyone has been attending these games, right? So, like, if you if you somehow are able to figure out the ownership thing, which, you know, it doesn't look like that'll be figured out this coming offseason, although who knows, but, like, you know, there's that piece of the pie as well. Uh, but, yeah, a salute to uh, D.C. baseball fans because I don't think that you've got enough credit uh, for showing up as you have this season. This That's Chat episode brought to you by the Ump's Care Charities East Coast Golf Classic, which is happening Monday, October 16th at the beautiful Westfields Golf Club in Clifton, Virginia, with former umpire Sam Holbrook as the honorary guest. Visit umpscare.com for more information. Hit us up on Twitter. We always enjoy hearing from you at Nats underscore chat. You can email the show natschatpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on our website too, natschatpodcast.com. Don't forget about the second annual Nats Chat Podcast Party happening at Walters in D.C. Friday evening, October 13th at 6.30. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com. Next up for the Nats is game two of this three-game series against the Chicago White Sox at Nationals Park. Tuesday night, 7.05, Jackson Rutledge will be the Nats starting pitcher. For Tim Shovers, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat podcast. Throw to first, runner goes, they've got him picked off. Smith pump fakes, he's got him hung up, Andres. Throws to Garcia, no one's covering first! No one's covering first, and he's safe diving back ahead of the tag. Where is Ferrer? Oh my goodness. That's on Ferrer, the pitcher. Smith threw to Garcia properly, and Garcia had no one to throw to. So Andres is able to beat Luis to the bag because he had the head start. Ferrer's walking to the dugout, and the crowd groaning as they should. That cannot happen.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.